0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds at plot destruction Sorcerer of Death construction In the fields of bodies burning machine keeps turning <laughs> Death and hatred to mankind poisoning their brainwash mind
1: welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the national community radio satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My I'm Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about... Anarchos Without Rulers. It's about the struggle to create a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? Well, you create a society without rulers by looking at the cornerstones, the foundation stones, which give rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people on this planet for thousands of years. And it's very simple. It's inequalities in power and wealth. So an anarchist is somebody who's involved in the struggle to create a society Uh, where power is shared and where wealth is shared. So if you're involved in those campaigns, whether you call yourself an anarchist or not, you are an anarchist, I'm sorry to tell you, but the good thing is you won't grow a tail. Right, let's move on. The pride of Erin. Remember the good old days? Well, there's no such thing as good old days. It's the type of stuff, you know, old people say, but uh, I was being facetious. The pride of Erin one step backwards and was it one step forwards and two step backwards i remember as a you know little high school kid in grade nine or ten where was it in the 60s early 60s you know they tried to civilize us public school kids and uh, you could either do uh the pride of erin or you could do something else i forgot i think it was i don't know some t- square dancing that's right and it was interesting because you did one step forwards, two step backwards, one step forwards, two step backwards. And it reminds me of 21st century Australia, especially for what's been happening over the last few years, or the last few decades, I should say, last three or four decades. That Australia, It's interesting in Australia how we're moving forwards and we're moving backwards. And we're moving forwards in certain areas and we're moving backwards in areas which challenge the very foundations of the founda- the very foundation pillars of this society. I mean, we live in a capitalist society. And what we've seen during the last four decades, we've seen the growth of private investment for private profit. It's become our mission statement as a society. It's become our mantra. But within that structure, we've also seen steps forwards in terms of struggles for personal freedom and equality. And, you know, with the Mardi Gras a few, you know, a week or so ago and the announcement of the Victorian Truth and Justice Commission in Victoria and other issues, it's interesting to see how Any type of campaign which revolves around the state and society making concessions which do not affect the major foundation stones can move forward and continue to move forward. We've seen this in terms of International Women's Day and the debate around International Women's Day the position of women in society. We see it in terms of various state governments and an increasing number of Australians coming to the conclusion that we need to lance the carbuncle, the putrid abscess, which exists between us and, uh, and the country's First Nations people. We see it in terms of uh, gay rights. And it's interesting that the This year, the theme was about rise. It was about remembering that although many steps have been taken forwards and many more steps need to be, to be taken forward, it's important to remember that these steps can be removed quite quickly, as we've seen with the state of, with the state of emergency and the state of disaster around this country regarding COVID-19. So we have seen steps forwards. So most of the issues where we have been able to move forwards have been based on the resolution of prejudices which exist in society. And you can resolve many of these prejudices without making any major economic changes. Now, when it comes to the climate emergency, we see step two in the type of struggle that's involved. And while the climate emergency struggle was based on the concept that the way to resolve the issue or come to grips with the issue was through the removal of capitalist methods of production, private investment for private profit, which to a large degree were responsible for a significant proportion of the CO two emissions that occur. And when I talk about private investment for private profit, I'm also talking about state capitalism, as we see in uh, as we see to a significant degree in in China, where the state is involved in the production you know, CO2 emissions. So either either private capitalism or state capitalism. But now that there are investment opportunity as far as green capitalism is concerned, private investment for private profit, so instead of pursuing decentralised energy sources, which are much more difficult to control, where we are pursuing the concept of creating huge centralised energy sources without CO2 emissions. We've seen that money begins pouring because people can make a into, into green capitalism because people makes a profit. So you've got three different tiers of struggle in society, three different tiers. You've got the personal struggles where we have moved forwards in many areas. Not all areas, but in many areas. Then you've got the struggle regarding the climate emergency where private investment is beginning to understand that you can really make a buck by tackling the climate emergency and continue to maintain a private investment for a private profit philosophy and then we have the type of struggle that we have been involved in over the last five or six decades and many listeners to this program have been involved in obviously we are also involved in all the other struggles as you all all know I mean, we're involved in the struggles regarding for the First Nations people and justice for just justice for the First Nations people. We've been involved in the struggle, you know, gender equality, gay liberation, and the list goes on and on. But at the same time, we're involved in a a fundamental struggle which has not gone forwards. As I said, with the pride of Erin, one step forwards, two step backwards. And as far as these struggles are concerned, we have gone. Backwards, and we continue to go backwards over the last 40 years during the deregulation, privatization, globalization, corporatization era, where the concept of a private investment for private profit, especially in the West, has become the dominant ideological force. It's almost a quasi religious belief that the way forward is to give away public sector facilities to the private sector, to remove regulations which came into place to protect people in the workplace and in the community, to allow large corporations to dominate most aspects of economic activity in this country, and to give up our sovereign rights as far as our borders are concerned to corporations. That's what globalisation is about. You know, it's one thing Mr. Dutton jumping up and down about, you know, a few thousand refugees turning up un- unexpected, you know, and punishing them for years. It's another thing. It's another thing actually looking at the basic fundamentals. So this is a fundamental struggle where we have gone backwards. Instead of having a mixed economy with a private sector, a public sector, and possibly a collective sector. What we have is an economy which is dominated almost completely by the private sector. I'll give you an example. Now, as you know... The Victorian state government and most other state governments have been selling everything, every public asset that's not nailed down. And we've seen recently in Victoria that the Victorian government's going to privatise most of the uh, Victorian registration branch, including the outsourcing of uh, testing and the list goes on and on. At the same time, we've seen over the last uh, 24 hours that uh, the Premier of Victoria, Mr Andrews, had an unfortunate accident. And uh, I send him my best regards, as I'm sure all other Victorians send them their best regards. We've all had falls. Uh, some of us have been injured quite severely. Others, you know, you've got up, brushed yourself down and got on with your business. But it's interesting that he finds himself in the public health sector. He finds himself in the Alfred Trauma Unit, one of the best trauma units in the world, if not the second best trauma unit unit in the world. And he was able to avail himself of a public ambulance system, although there have been attempts to privatise the Victorian ambulance system in certain sections, especially the transport sections have been privatised. And then he was able to avail himself of what we laughingly called a public health sector in Victoria, a sector which for generations has been underfunded and understaffed and obviously being Premier, he will receive the best the very best care that the victorian public health system can provide but let's look at the victorian public health system the victorian public health system itself is public in a significant degree in name only for example in the alfred hospital where he finds himself in all the ward staff this is all the uh, wards w- uh, wards men and women their employment has been outsourced to a private company. As far as the kitchen is concerned, and food is concerned, that's been outsourced to a private company. As far as um, you know, many of the ancillary health services are concerned, many aspects of those health services across the Victorian public health system have been outsourced to private health companies—radiology, pathology—and the list goes on and on. So, although we supposedly have a public health system, We have a health department whose major responsibility, as we saw, with the COVID-19 hotel fiascos, was outsourcing. That's right, outsourcing responsibilities, which should be part of the responsibility of the government of the day. So it'd be interesting to see how many people in the public health sector who have been treated when Mr Andrews, the Victorian Premier, was admitted and been treated, in the best sectors possible, how many other people that day receive the same standard of care? How many people are on the waiting list? How many people have chronic, severe, unremittent pain which needs orthopaedic surgery who continue to be on the waiting list years later? How many people find themselves on a waiting list to go to a public outpatient's department appointment? with a specialist, how many people find themselves in this situation because of an underfunded, understaffed, under-resourced public health sector in Victoria? And I hope the Premier, as he receives the best care available in the state of Victoria and possibly Australia, makes a full recovery. But I hope when he makes that full recovery... That he realizes that his government needs to focus on the public health sector. With the damning Royal Commission into mental health services in this country, in Victoria especially, I think it's important that we put more resources into the public health sector. You're listening to The Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3CR. And while I'm talking about the 21st century pride of Erin, one step forwards, two step backwards, let's think about what's happening today in this country. We have legislation in Parliament today which will basically strip away more the ability of trade unions to look after the interests of their members we have seen tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars poured into the pockets of private corporations during the COVID-19 crisis. Like Mr Harvey Norman and his little empire of furniture, they've pocketed over $6 million from JobKeeper, but double their profits. So we've seen corporations around the country actually making money from the government, from the COVID-19 disaster. While we had that disastrous robo-debt fiasco where the government illegally harassed harassed some of the most vulnerable people in our society for a few thousand bucks, while well, at the same time we see hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars going into the pockets of private corporations who did not need that money During the COVID 19 crisis. And if there's any excess, they're allowed to keep it. And we're not talking about $20 or $3.57 a bloody day. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars across the board. Obviously, some of these corporations have done the right thing and returned the government the money back. Others have pocketed it saying, well, we can legally pocket it. Bad luck. Listen to the anarchist world this week. So, as I keep saying, in the struggle for economic equality, we have taken two step backwards if not three step backwards and it's important to remember that the private that the concept of private investment for private profit cannot resolve the problems that we face as a community i'll give you another example the smith family now look i've got a great deal of respect for the smith smith family because as far as charities is concerned and it is a charity It's one that supports local children to acquire an education. Children who normally would not be able to acquire that education only provides financial support but also provides mentoring support. And this week the Smith family has come into a joint agreement with the Australian Financial Review on its 70th birthday, a partnership with the Australian Financial Review, which is celebrated its 70th birthday this year, which now belongs to uh, the Channel 9 group, or the 9 group, I should say, to assist children who live in poverty. Now, every time I see something like this or hear something like this, I feel like vomiting. I get so angry, I feel like vomiting. I mean, there are 1.2 million I'll repeat the number. 1.2 million children living in poverty in Australia in 2021 and the numbers continue to grow exponentially. This is one of the richest countries in the world. We have 1.2 million children living in in poverty. And privately owned organisations, private charities like the Smith family, have to raise money to ensure children receive an adequate education and are mentored. I mean what type of society have we become when we have to rely on charity? to provide for the basic needs of the citizens and residents of this country. Think about it. A population of just over 25 million, 1.2 million children living in poverty, the creation of more billionaires than we've ever seen in the history of this country, and multimillionaires. increase in company profits exponentially, CEOs receiving millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. Legislation being pushed through Parliament on a regular basis, which which ensures the investment class, about 8% of Australians with disposable income, pay minimal taxation and actually get money from the government through franking credits for owning shares or uh, decrease their taxation liability through negative gearing. I mean, what type of society have we become? We have to rely on a private charity, that's right, a private charity to provide the basic necessities of education for children who theoretically live in a country where we have a public education sector, which is three, secular and compulsory. Think about it. It's simple. It's easy why we have to do this because the federal government continues to pull money into the pockets of privately owned schools, which only a certain section of the population can afford to send their children to, who poach the more gifted children from the public sector by offering scholarships so they can be inculcated with the same ideology that you know, private investment for private profit is the only way for us as a society to move forward. So over the last 40 years, we may have made some progress in terms of discrimination. We are beginning to make some progress in terms of the climate emergency. But in terms of economic inequality, we have made no progress. We have gone Backwards. And those who have exercised power and those who have wealth continue, continue to exploit the system for their own advantage. Well, a Victorian Premier receives the best care that the public health sector can provide in Victoria and I agree 100% every Victorian should be able to receive the same care We have this ludicrous situation where there isn't enough resources in this resource-rich country to ensure that we have a reasonable public health sector, which can in reasonable time deal with the health needs of people in this country. Think about it. I mean, why do we find ourselves in this situation in the 21st century? Why are we continuing to walk backwards as far as uh, this issue is concerned? You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Tosco. I'm hosting today's program. Yes, we are hosting today's program. But as I said before, at the as I said, we are not a news caravan. We do not transverse the landscape looking at what's happening at, around us. I mean, the anarchist world this week is not your normal analysis. It's not your normal type of uh, program where we look, comment and move on. Look, comment and move on. That's the media circus. That's the media caravan. Today it's the Windsors, tomorrow it's somebody else, all right? But never grappling with the major issues of our society. Always grappling with the ephemeral, the marginal, not the major issues, inequalities. Why do 1.2 million children live in poverty in this country? We stop the caravan here at the Anarchist World this week and we go out and we try, try to address the issues. And the key word is try. We don't succeed in the majority of cases. In ninety nine percent of cases we don't succeed. But we try. We try to change the public debate. We try to change the way people look at things. We try to make a difference on the ground. And one one way of being we have been trying is through the establishment of public interest before corporate interests. And if you are interested in public putting the needs of the public the many, before the needs of the few, the corporations, well, then I encourage you to look at the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, and I encourage you to join. We're getting closer and closer to obtaining 550 members on the federal electoral roll so we can register as the federal political party, not because we think we're going to be elected. We're not that stupid. But because we want to change the debate. We want to change the debate from the hate mongers and the hate mongers basically, or mongers I should say, basically dominate to a significant degree that crossbenchers in the Senate, in the Federal Parliament. We're, we're about hope before hate. That's what public interest before corporate interest is about. Hope before hate. So if you are interested, and what is Hope. Hope is the child of desire and expectation. The desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. So if you are interested, you can download the application form from Pipsi.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Uh, P-I-B-C-I dot net. As I said before, we're up to about 450 members. Another 100 members will be able to apply for federal Registration than possibly for state registration around the country. So, you listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. You can always, if, you're not, if you don't use computers, don't blame you, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville. 3052. Yes, we still answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. A few interesting websites you may want to go to. YouTube, Pipsy.net. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest, sorry. Public interest before corporate interest. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the public. Defend and extend public housing. The list goes on and on and on. Let's move on. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. As I said, we're not just a caravan transversing an interesting landscape. And as the view changes, there's another view and another view and another view and another view. And that's what the media circus is about. Today it's this issue, tomorrow it's the next issue, the, the day after it's the next issue. The caravan never stops. They never try to do anything about what's happening because obviously they are part and parcel of the system that continues to exploit the majority of people. But we stop that caravan and we do what we can. I'll give you another example. West Papua. Now, the West Papua is less than 70 kilometres from Australia. Think about it. If you're listening, It doesn't matter where you're listening to this program around Australia. Think about who lives 70 kilometres from you. And how easy it is to get to that place. Well, West Papua is off limits to the world. There's almost only about 1.2 million First Nations people, West Papuans, left in West Papua. Over the last 60 years, since the Indonesian authorities uh, forcefully annexed West Papua, over a half a million West Papuans die, and as I speak, more West Papuans die, not just from neglect, but from a military apparatus, which is using techniques, tactics and equipment provided by the Australian government to attempt to destroy an independence movement which has been active both internationally and West Papua in the highlands and the, around the rest of the country for over 60 years. The West Papuans haven't lost the desire to be independent. They have a desire to be independent. They have an expectation they will be independent. Six years ago, and this is where we stopped the caravan, six years ago I was in discussions, my late wife Ellen Jose and myself were in discussion with uh, West Papuan uh, activists, refugees in this country and one of the major things they didn't have was some type of central office. And we were able to organise a rent collective which continues to function six years later to pay the rent on offices in Collins Street in Docklands in Melbourne. Quite a prestigious address which is what you'd expect from a consulate stroke embassy for the West Papuan independence struggle. And six years down the track, we continue to pay the rent. Unfortunately, members die, people's interests change, people become sick, they lose their income, so we always need new members of the West Papuan Rent Collective. Now, in case you want to find out what all this is about, this Sunday, the 14th of March. That's Sunday, the 14th of March, this Sunday. It's the West Papuan Office Open Day, which is run by the Women's Collective, the West Papuan Women's Collective. And it's an open day. And you're all invited. Every single listener anywhere in Australia is invited. Lunch is at 1pm. Then there are two speakers. There's Brisbane author John Elgate who will be speaking about Jessie Williamson, an Australian nurse who worked in West Papua for over 40 years, almost 40 years, and uh, Jacob Rumbiak from the United West Papua National Authority will be speaking about of a beam of light on a green state. But the important thing is you're invited. Open invitation, 1pm to 3pm. If you're already a member of the West Papua and Rent Collective, it's important you turn up and lunch is through. If you're not a member of the West Papuan Rent Collective and you wish to have lunch, it's a $15 donation. Cuz obviously, although we pay the rent, the West Papuan activists who use that office to promote West Papuan independence struggle not just in Australia but around the world and it's become a, an important part of that network around the world that fights for West Papuan independence. So we stopped the caravan six years ago. We got out of the caravan and we did something to assist one of the most marginalised liberation movements in the world. So we can stop the caravan. We can do things. Listening to the anarchist world this week, broadcast across Australia, say come along this Wednesday, 838 Collins Street. 838 Collins Street. Docklands, you get to 838, go round the side, there are two little roads around the side, come round the back and that's where the uh, talk and uh, dinner has been held. Obviously many of you have been there before, but as I said before, we need more members for the West Parkwood Rent Collective. We urgently need at least 10 new members in the next two or three weeks. Uh, it's a dollar a day. You're basically given a bank account you deposit the money in the bank account. You could do it in one go. You can do it monthly. It's a dollar a day, around $360 for a, the year or a dollar a day. I mean, it's a great investment for less than, you know, for a dollar a day. What can you buy for a dollar a day? You can ensure that one of the most uh, marginalized, derided uh, liberation movements in the world continues to function and continues to fight for. It's independence. you listen listening to the Anarchist World this week. And remember, you are part of that caravan. And while you sit in the caravan and watch it flash past, you're just as culpable as everybody else. You need to jump off the caravan, do what you can, and then jump back into the media caravan. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the community, Radio Network, my name's Joseph Toscano. I want to talk about International Women's Day, raise the issue of equal opportunity, the furphy of equal opportunity. Equal opportunity, and this, you know, ties in with the pride of Erin, one step forwards, two step backwards. I mean, Australians are great believers in equal opportunity. Opportunity, Not equality, but equal opportunity. How do you have equal opportunity in a handicap race? Hmm? How do you have equal opportunity in a handicap race or a three-legged race where some people's legs are tied to somebody else and other people's legs are unencumbered and can run as fast as they like? So when somebody talks to me about equal opportunity, it's a load of crap. It's garbage. They talk about equal opportunity for First Nations people. They talk about equal opportunity for women. They talk about equal opportunity for people with a a different um, sexual orientation, and the list goes on and on. Equal opportunity, equal opportunity. The fact is, there is no equal opportunity. Obviously people with resources, irrespective of their gender or sexual orientation or their racial origins, can take advantage of those opportunities. And with the struggles against racism and gender inequality, we see some sections of the population moving forward. But these are the sections of the population which are born with that ability to access those opportunities. Now, as we travel in this caravan across the landscape, the length and breadth of this country, as we broadcast uh, uh, across the length and breadth of this country through the anarchist world this week, I don't see equal opportunity. I can't see somebody who's born in a situation of abject poverty, whose parents or sole parent have to struggle every day on a so-called job-seeker payment forced into part-time, insecure work, somehow having the same opportunities as somebody of the same racial origins or same gender in a family which has the resources to access those equal opportunity. Think about it. Think about this furphy every time they say this is an equal opportunity country. It's garbage. I mean, when I started my little journey in life almost 70 years ago, I mean, I came from very, very, very difficult circumstances Not that I crow about it or dine out on it. But the opportunities I made, I grabbed, I kicked holes in walls. Not everybody is able to do that. There are no equal opportunities. It's a fee. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3 cr Dot the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3CR.org.au. It's interesting, isn't it? How some Australians are important and others don't really matter. About ten days ago, news leaked out that Dr. Usama El Hassani, a prisoner of conscience, had been held in Rabat in Morocco, which is a feudal monarchy, at the request of the feudal monarchy in Saudi Arabia. Now, Dr. Osama al Hassani is a former Melbourne imam, an academic, and he has been detained because of this beautiful word, which uh, we love to talk about, activity of public opposition because of his public opposition to the feudal monarchy in the, by the House of Saudi in Arabia which has been supported by Western governments ad nauseum for decades for over a hundred years. If there is one country in the world which highlights the evils, and I use that word sparingly normally in this program, of religious totalitarianism. It's the house of Saudi on the Arabian Peninsula. I don't call it Saudi Arabia because Saudi is just the name of the family which runs the Arabian Peninsula. Now, obviously, because of the massive oil resources. And I'll give you an example of how it works in the Middle East. And this is, this is, again, this is why you listen to the anarchist world this week. You want a wider picture. You don't just jump up and down about something that Megan said or Harry said or the Queen Lizzie said, all right? You come for a, a better analysis or a wider analysis. I'll give you an example. Now, the war in Yemen, as the war in Vietnam, has demonstrated that... You cannot rely on air power to crush a resistance movement. You need feet on the ground. And obviously because the Emirates, the United Arab Emirates, and and the House of Saudi, which rules the Arabian Peninsula, have been involved in this war. And they've been using foreign mercenaries and air power. And they have got really nowhere, apart from killing tens of thousands of people and pauperising the rest of the population of Yemen. They've really got nowhere. So they need feet on the ground. So how do they get feet on the ground? Now, in Sudan, which is over 70 million people, they've had a military dictatorship there for about 30 years, and they continue to have a quasi-military dictatorship, as in Myanmar where although they had a supposedly elected government, the military continued to call the shots. It's the same in Sudan. Although they've got an appointed civilian interim government, the military continues to call the shots. Now, Sudan has been pushed down a neoliberal line. you think after 40 years of failure that they wouldn't. Go down this path. They've gone down this path. They've su- they've they floated the Sudanese pound. You know, inflation is sky high. The United Arab Emirates has poured in a little bit of money into Sudan, and why? Because they need feet on the ground. And if there's something that Sudan has, it's soldiers. And these soldiers have been involved in skirmishes and battles in su- in uh, Yemen on behalf of the United Arab Emirates and the House of Saudi in Arabia. So this is how it works. You use your money to export your brand of religion. And the House of Saudi in Arabia has used tens of billions of dollars. Remember, they gave the former prime minister... Of uh, Malaysia a billion dollars for his own personal use, let's not forget that and he's just been tried and found guilty. So their brand of Islam, Wahhabism has been exported to Indonesia, Malaysia, around the world through their financial assistance. and when you get people like Osama el- Hassani, an Australian citizen as well as a Saudi Arabian citizen, raised these issues publicly, he needs to be silenced, as, as we see constantly with the Saudi family in Arabia. Any opposition needs to be silenced. So where is the information about Dr. Osama al Hassani? Why hasn't the Australian government raised any public concerns? Are they involved in delicate negotiations to free him from prison in Rabat? Has he already been extradited to Saudi Arabia? Will he disappear in the Saudi Arabian gulags? Has many prisoners of conscience disappeared? We're not talking about people involved in armed resistance, but prisoners of conscience People who raise different ideas. Think about it. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Websites you can go to, as I said, pipsy.net, anarchismedia.org. You can go to uh, YouTube, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, a number of other websites, and the list goes on and on. You can always leave messages on 0439 395 0439 395 You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, I don't care about the Windsors. It's interesting, the terminology... That's been used, you know, in the so called media caravan about the remarks that have been made by two members of the Windsor family who find themselves in Los Angeles because they're having disputes with their head honchos in England. And I find the conversation interesting. And I'll tell you why, and this is why I'm saying. I don't care about the Windsors. People are using concepts like royal family. What makes them royal? What makes them blue bloods? They eat and shit like the rest of us. They talk about Her Majesty. Majesty. Her Majesty. Her Highness. They talk about this dysfunctional this, this, this family. Look, we've all come from dysfunctional families, and there's no perfect families anywhere, and obviously there's always disputes. But why is this family's dispute such a central feature of debate? Is it a diversion from the real issues? I mean, what power does the House of Windsor have? I mean, these are people who are supported by the British taxpayer. They go around cutting ribbons and making speeches. I don't particularly care about their internal family disputes. It's not going to really make any difference in the long run. But what I do care about is the terminology which is just used to describe this family. Royal, majestic, highness, come on. It's the twenty first century. It's the same with the you know the, the feudal monarchs the Saudis on the Arabian Peninsula. As if because these people in the past, and currently as far as the House of Saudi is concerned, you know, murder, abduct, kidnap, steal, somehow gives them some currency in the national debate. Look at the House of Windsor. Look at the British family that has ruled until ordinary British people rose up and died. Died like the carp as they rose up to break the absolute power the monarchy had on its citizens. Think about that struggle. Think about how they acquired their wealth, murder, colonisation abduction, theft, and we talk about them as royals, majestic, high, give me a break. Every family's got its internal disputes. Every family has its internal disputes. Every couple has issues. Why is their issues important? How much money is they're all making out of this? It's extraordinary. I just can't believe it. I really can't believe that this becomes a major issue. That this is a major issue. Extraordinary. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Don't forget uh, the West Parliament Office Open Day in Melbourne, 838. Collins Street Docklands, come along become a member of the West Papua and Rent Collective if you can't come along and you want to become a member, give me a ring on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 and last but not least I just want to tie in a few loose ends because you need to tie loose ends, well we're in the caravan right we're trans-ver- transversing the Australian landscape Uluru there Gold Coast here, Darwin there, Broome there, Derby, oh, Adelaide. We can move around the place currently. Let's look at three things which uh, initially seem to have no connection. International students, the mining sector, and the 40,000 Australians who are stranded overseas 12 months after the COVID-19 crisis began and the lackluster performance by the state governments and the federal government in, in, in terms of getting people home, leaving them to the avarice of the, of the private sector having to pay inflated prices to get here and then having to pay for quarantine. Think about it. So what? see if you can link it up. International students, the mining sector and stranded overseas Australians. Well, the uh, New South Wales Treasurer has been making some extraordinary statements, Mr Perrott, some extraordinary statements. He wants the numbers of returning Australians to be decreased so international students can come to Australia to pay for their education because the university sector is feeling the pinch of not having the resources which international students provide to keep staff employed, okay? Now, why do we find ourselves in this situation? Why do we find ourselves in this situation? And it's very simple. We are one of the richest resource-rich nations on planet Earth, even if you take the coal industry out of it, which we will in the next two or three decades, we are still a massively rich resource country. Now, if our mining resources were in the hands of the public, if they were nationalised, without compensation, yes, I can see you cringe, if they were nationalised, the income that would come from those resources would be more than enough to ensure that children don't live in poverty and have to rely on private charities in order to access a decent education. We wouldn't need to have 40,000 Australians stranded overseas. We could have brought them back home to this country In Air Force planes, and then put them in quarantine and paid for that quarantine, we could have enough money for a universal basic income. Think about it. Currently, we receive some taxation revenue, minimal, and in certain cases, nothing as far as our gas exports are concerned. And some state governments receive royalties for resources which belong to this country's First Nations people. Very simple. Would we have, the significant issues we find in many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. I doubt it. If resources were directed in in their direction. Think about it. Why should we continue to be dominated by an ideology where private investment for private profit destroys the hope and aspirations of hundreds of thousands, not millions of Australians. This is the situation we find ourselves every day. So there are solutions. There are differences. You can stop the caravan You can get out, and you personally can make a difference. And that's the key. While we continue to think that you can't fight City Hall, that all resistance is useless, there's no point that you're going to do something and going to do something, or you continue to belong to Australia's largest tribe. Somebody should do something about that. Nothing will ever change. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. Websites of interest, anarchismedia.org, pipsy.net, the West Papuan website, public, public housing, everybody's business, and the list goes on and on. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Come and join us on Sunday the 14th of March at 838 838. Um, Ooh, 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 I've forgotten. Collins Street, Docklands. I've just had an old age moment, as they say. 838 Collins Street, Docklands, 1 pm for lunch, 2 pm for the speakers. Come and have a look at the office. Become a member of the West Parkland Rent Collective. Ensure we have seven years. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist Will this week. Listen in next week on your local community radio station.
0: Evil minds at plot destruction. Death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind
1: My... Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear.
0: So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need to end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace, a treaty means equality, and a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377.